Chapter twenty four of the Fortunate Foundlings by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter twenty four The History of Dorilaus and Matilda, with other circumstances very important to Louisa. You know, said he, that I am descended of one of the most illustrious families in England though by some imprudencies on one side and injustice on the other my claim was set aside and i deprived of that title which my ancestors for a long succession of years had enjoyed so that the estate i am in possession of was derived to me in right of my mother who is an heiress it is indeed sufficient to have given me a pretence to any lady i should have made choice on and to provide for what children i might have had by her but the pride of my blood being not abated in me by being cut off from my birthright inspired me with an unconquerable aversion to marriage since i could not bequeath to my posterity that dignity i ought to have enjoyed myself i resolved therefore to live single and that the misfortune of my family should die with myself in my younger years i went to travel as well for improvement as to alleviate that discontent which was occasioned by the sight of another in possession of what i thought was my due having made the tour of europe i took france again in my way home the gallantry and good breeding of these people very much attached me to them but what chiefly engaged my continuance here much longer than i had done in any other part was an acquaintance i had made with a lady called matilda she was of a very good family in england and sent to a monastery merely for the sake of well grounding her in a religion the free exercise of which is not allowed at home and to seclude her from settling her affections on any other than the person she was destined to by the will of her parents and to whom she had been contracted in her infancy she was extremely young and beautiful as an angel and the knowledge she was pre-engaged could not hinder me from loving her any more than the declarations i made in her hearing against marriage could the grateful returns she was pleased to make me in fine the mutual inclination we had for each other as it rendered us deaf to all suggestions but that of gratifying it so it also inspired us with ingenuity to surmount all the difficulties that were between our wishes and the end of them though a pensioner in a monastery and very closely observed by the help of a confidant she frequently got out and many nights we passed together till some business relating to my estate at length calling me away we were obliged to part which we could not do without testifying a great deal of concern on both sides mine was truly sincere at that time and i have reason to believe hers was no less so but absence easily wears out the impressions of youth as i never expected to see her more i endeavoured not to preserve a remembrance which would only have given me disquiet and to confess the truth soon forgot both the pleasure and the pain i had experienced in this as well as some other little sallies of my unthinking youth many years passed over without my ever hearing anything of her and it was some months after i received your letter from aix la chapelle that the post brought me one from ireland having no correspondence in that country i was a little surprised but much more when i opened it and found it contained these words to dorilaus sir this comes to make a request which i know not if the acquaintance we had together in the early part of both our lives 
would be sufficient to apologize for the trouble you must take in complying with it permit me therefore to acquaint you that i have long laboured under an indisposition which my physicians assure me is incurable and under which i must inevitably sink in a short time but whatever they say i know it is impossible for me to leave the world without imparting to you a secret wholly improper to be entrusted to a letter but is of the utmost importance to those concerned in it of whom yourself is the principal be assured it regards your honour your conscience your justice as well as the eternal peace of her who conjures you with the utmost earnestness to come immediately on the receipt of this to the castle of m in the north of ireland where if you arrive time enough you will be surprised though i flatter myself not disagreeably so with the unravelling a most mysterious event yours once known by the name of matilda now m i will not repeat to you my dear louisa continued dorilaus the strange perplexity of ideas that run through my mind after having read this letter i was very far from guessing at the real motive of the invitation which however as i once had a regard for that lady i soon determined to obey and having left the care of my house to a relation of mine by the mother's side i went directly for ireland but when i came there was a little embarrassed in my mind what excuse i should make to her husband for my visit before i ventured to the castle i made a thorough inquiry after the character of this young lady and in what manner she lived with her lord never did i hear a person more universally spoke well of the poor adored her charity affability and condescending sweetness of disposition the rich admired her wit her virtue her good breeding her beauty though allowed inferior to few of her sex was the least qualification that seemed deserving praise to add to all this they told me she was a pattern of conjugal affection and the best of mothers to a numerous race of children that her lord had all the value he ought to have for so amiable a wife and that no wedded pair ever lived together in greater harmony and it was with the utmost concern whoever i spoke to on this affair concluded what they related of her with saying that so excellent an example of all that was valuable in womankind would shortly be taken from them that she had long with an unexampled patience lingered under a severe illness which every day threatened dissolution these accounts made me hesitate no farther i went boldly to the castle asked to speak with the lord m who received me with a politeness befitting his quality i told him that my curiosity of seeing foreign countries had brought me to ireland and being in my tour through those parts i took the liberty of calling at his seat having formerly had the honour of being known to his lady when at her father's house and whom i now heard to my great concern was indisposed otherwise have been glad to pay my respects to her the nobleman answered with tears in his eyes that she was indeed in a condition such as gave no hope of her recovery but that she sometimes saw company though obliged to receive them in bed having lost the use of her limbs and would perhaps be glad of the visit of a person she had known so long on this i told him my name which he immediately went in and her woman not long after came from her to let me know she would admit me my lord went in with me and to countenance what i said i accosted her with the freedom of a person who had been acquainted when children 
spoke of her father as of a gentleman who had favoured me with his good will though in reality i had never seen him in my life but remembered well enough what she had mentioned to me concerning him and some others of her family to talk as if i had been intimate among them i could perceive she was very well pleased with the method i had taken of introducing myself and to prevent any suspicion that i had any other business with her than to pay my compliments made my visit very short that day not doubting but she would of herself contrive some means of entertaining me without witnesses as she easily found her lord had desired i would make the castle my home when i stayed in that part of the country i was not deceived the next morning having been told her lord was engaged with his steward she sent for me and making some pretence for getting rid of her woman she plucked a paper from under her pillow and putting it into my hand in that said you will find the secret i mentioned in my letter suspect not the veracity of it i conjure you nor love the unfortunate horatio and louisa less for their being mine i cannot express the confusion i was in continued dorilaus at her mentioning you and your brother but i had no opportunity of asking any questions her woman that instant returned after which i stayed but a short time being impatient to examine the contents which as near as i can remember were to this purpose you were scarce out of france before i discovered our amour had produced such consequences as had my too fond passion given me leave to think of i never should have hazarded i will not repeat the distraction i was in you may easily judge of it i communicated the misfortune to my nurse who you know i told you went from england with me and has often brought you messages from the convent the faithful creature did her utmost to console me for an evil which was without a remedy to complete my confusion my father commanded me home my lord m was returned from his travels we were both of an age to marry and it was resolved by our parents no longer to defer the completion of an affair long before agreed upon i was ready to lay violent hands on myself since there seemed no way to conceal my shame but my good nurse having set all her wits to work for me found out an expedient which served me when i could think of nothing for myself she bid me be of comfort that she thought being sent for home was the luckiest thing that could have happened since nothing could be so bad as to have my pregnancy discovered in the convent as it infallibly must have been had i stayed a very little time longer she also assured me she would contrive it so as to keep the thing a secret from all the world i found afterwards she did not deceive me by vain promises we left paris according to my father's order and came by easy journeys befitting my condition to calais and embarked on board the packet for dover but then instead of taking coach for london hired a chariot and went cross the country to a little village where a kinswoman of my nurses lived with these people i remained till horatio and louisa came into the world i could have had them nursed at that place but i feared some discovery through the miscarriage of letters which often happens and which could not have been avoided being sent on such occasions so we contrived together that my good confidant and adviser should carry them to your house and commit the care of them to you who equal with myself had a right to it she found means by bribing a man that worked under your gardener to convey them where i afterwards heard you found and received them 
as i could wish and becoming the generosity of your nature i then took coach for london pretending at my arrival that i had been delayed by sickness and to excuse my nurse's absence said she had caught the fever of me so no farther inquiry was made and i soon after was married to a man whose worth is well deserving of a better wife though i have endeavoured to atone for my unknown transgression by every act of duty in my power nurse stayed long enough in your part of the world to be able to bring me an account of how the children were disposed of that i never gave you an account they were your own was occasioned by two reasons first the danger of entrusting such a thing by the post my nurse soon after dying and secondly because as i was a wife i thought it unbecoming of me to remind you of a passage i was willing to forget myself a long sickness has put other thoughts into my head and inspired me with a tenderness for those unhappy babes which the shame of being their mother hitherto deprived them of i hear with pleasure that you are not married and are therefore at full liberty to make some provision for them if they are yet living that may alleviate the misfortune of their birth farewell if i obtain this first and last request i shall die well satisfied p s burn this paper i conjure you the moment you have read it but lay the contents of it up in your heart never to be forgotten i now no longer wondered pursued dorilaus at that impulse i had to love you i found it in the sympathy of nature and adored the divine power after having well fixed in my mind all the particulars of this amazing secret i performed her injunction and committed it to the flames i had opportunity enough to inform her in what manner horatio had disposed of himself and let her know you were gone with a lady on her travels i concealed indeed the motive fearing to give her any occasion of reproaching herself for having so long concealed what my ignorance of might have involved us all in guilt and ruin i stayed some few days at the castle and then took my leave she said many tender things at parting concerning you and seemed well satisfied with the assurances i gave her of making the same provision for you as i must have done had the ceremony of the church obliged me to it this seemed indeed the only thing for which she lived and i was informed died in a few days after at my return to england i renewed my endeavours to discover where you were but could hear nothing since you wrote from a la chapelle and was equally troubled that i had received no letters from your brother i doubted not but he had fallen in the battle and mourned him as lost till an old servant perceiving the melancholy i was in acquainted me that several letters had been left at my house by the post during my absence but that the kinsman i had left to take care of my affairs had secreted them jealous no doubt of the fondness i have expressed for him this so enraged me when on examination i had too much reason to be assured of his treachery that i turned my whole estate into ready money and resolved to quit england for ever and pass my life here this being a country i have always loved and had many reasons to dislike my own here i soon heard news of my horatio and such as filled me with a pleasure which wanted nothing of being complete but the presence of my dear louisa to partake of it dorilaus then went on 
and acquainted her with the particulars of horatio's story as he had learned it from the baron de palfoy with whom he now was very intimate but as the reader is sufficiently informed of those transactions it would be needless to repeat them so i shall only say that dorilaus arrived in france in a short time after horatio had left it to enter into the service of the king of sweden and had wrote that letter inserted in the eighteenth chapter in order to engage that young warrior to return some little time before his meeting with louisa nothing now was wanting to the contentment of this tender father but the presence of horatio which he was every day expecting when instead of himself those letters from him arrived which contained his resolution of remaining with charles the twelfth till the conquests he was in pursuit of should be accomplished this was some matter of affliction to dorilaus though in his heart he could not but approve those principles of honour which detained him neither the baron de palfoy nor charlotta herself could say he could well have acted otherwise and used their utmost endeavours to comfort a father in his anxieties for the safety of so valuable a son louisa was also very much troubled at being disappointed in her hope of embracing a brother whom she had ever dearly loved and was now more precious to her than ever by the proofs she had heard he had given of his courage and his virtue but she had another secret and more poignant grief that preyed upon her soul and could scarce receive any addition from aught beside she had been now near two months in paris yet could hear nothing of m de plessis but that by the death of his father a large estate had devolved on him which he had never come to claim or had been at paris for about eighteen months so that she had all the reason in the world to believe he was no more this threw her into a melancholy which was so much the more severe as she endeavoured to conceal it she made use of all her efforts to support the loss of a person she so much loved and who proved himself so deserving of that love she represented to herself that being relieved from all the snares and miseries of an indigent life raised from an obscurity which had given her many bitter pangs to a station equal to her wishes and under the care of the most indulgent and best of fathers she ought not to repine but bless the bounty of heaven who had bestowed on her so many blessings and withheld only one she could have asked these i say were the dictates of reason and religion but the tender passion was not always to be silenced by them and whenever she was alone the tears in spite of herself would flow and she without even knowing why she did so cry out oh du plessis wherefore do i live since thou art dead among the many acquaintance she soon contracted at paris there was none she so much esteemed both on the account of her own merit and the regard she had for horatio as mademoiselle du palfoy in this young lady's society did she find more charms for her grief than in that of any other and the other truly loving her not only because she found nothing more worthy of being loved but because she was the sister of horatio they were very seldom asunder louisa was one day at the baron's enjoying the satisfaction which the conversation of his beautiful daughter never failed to afford when word was brought that madame the countess d'espargne was come to visit her mademoiselle charlotta ran to receive her with a great deal of joy 
she being a lady she very much regarded and who she had not seen of a long time she immediately returned leading a lady in deep mourning who seemed not to be above five-and-twenty was extremely handsome and had besides something in her air that attached louisa at first sight mademoiselle charlotta presented her to the countess saying at the same time see madam the only rival you have in my esteem you do well to give me one replied the countess who looks as if she would make me love her as well as you and so i should be even with you with these words she opened her arms to embrace louisa who returned the compliment with equal politeness when they were seated mademoiselle charlotta began to express the pleasure she had in seeing her in paris on which the countess told her that the affair she came upon was so disagreeable that nothing but the happiness of enjoying her company while she stayed could atone for it you know my dear continued madame d'espagne i was always an enemy to anything that had the face of business yet am i now against my will involved in it by as odd an adventure as perhaps you ever heard charlotta testifying some desire to be informed of what nature the other immediately satisfied her curiosity in this manner you know said she that on the late death of my father his estate devolved on my brother an officer in those troops in italy commanded by the prince of conti some wounds which were looked upon as extremely dangerous obliged him when the campaign was over to continue in his winter quarters on which he sent to monsieur the count to take possession in his name this was done but an intricate affair relating to certain sums lodged in a person's hand and to be brought before the parliament of paris could not be decided without the presence either of him or myself who had been witness of the transaction i was extremely loath to take so long a journey being then in very ill health and hearing he was recovered delayed it as we then expected him in person i sent a special messenger however in order to hasten his return but instead of complying with my desires i received a letter from him acquainting me that a business of more moment to him than anything in my power to guess at required his presence in another place and insisted by all the tenderness which had ever been between us that i would take on myself the management of this affair to enable me the better to do it he sent me a deed of trust to act as i should find it most expedient as he did not let me into the secret of what motives detained him at so critical a juncture i was at first very much surprised but on asking some questions of the messenger i had sent to him i soon discovered what it was he told me that on arrival he found my brother had left his quarters and was gone to bologna on which he followed and overtook him there that he appeared to the utmost discontent and was just preparing to proceed to leghorn but did not mention to him any more than he did in his letter to me what inducement he had to this journey his servant however told him privately that the mystery was this that being passionately in love with a young english lady whom he had placed in a monastery at bologna and expected to find there at his return she had in his absence departed without having acquainted him with her design and that supposing she was gone for england and unable to live without her his intention was to take shipping for that country and make use of his utmost efforts to find her out i must confess 
pursued the beautiful countess this piece of quixotism very much vexed me i thought his friends in france deserved more from him than to be neglected for one who had fled from him and who as the man said he knew not whether he should ever be able to see again i resolved however to comply with his desires and came immediately to paris but heaven has showed him how little it approves his giving me this unnecessary trouble for this morning i received a letter from him that meeting with robbers in his way they had taken from him all his money and bills of exchange besides wounding him in several places so that he cannot proceed on his journey till his hurts which it seems are not dangerous are cured and he has fresh remittances from hence with what emotions the heart of louisa was agitated during the latter part of this little narrative a sensible reader may easily conceive from the first mention of bologna where there was no other english pensioner than herself she knew it must be no other than her dear duplessis who was in search for her abroad while she was vainly hoping to find him at home every circumstance rendered this belief more certain and surprise and joy worked so strongly in her that fearing the effects would be visible she rose up and withdrew to a window mademoiselle charlotta who knew she could not be capable of such an act of unpoliteness without being compelled to it asked if she were not well on which louisa entreated pardon but owned a sudden faintness had come over her spirits so that she was obliged to be rude in order to prevent being troublesome as mademoiselle charlotta knew nothing of her story she had no farther thought on it than of some little qualm which frequently happens when young ladies are too closely laced and she seeming perfectly recovered from the conversation was renewed on the same subject it had turned upon before this interruption and the name of monsieur de plessis often being mentioned confirmed louisa if before she could have had the least remains of doubt that it was her lover who neglectful of his own affairs and the remonstrances of his expecting friends was about to range in search of one who he imagined was ungrateful both to his love and friendship after having listened with the utmost attention to all the countess said of him and other matters becoming the topic of discourse she took her leave in order to reflect alone what she ought to do in this affair she debated not long within herself before she resolved to write to him and prevent the unprofitable journey he was about to take and having heard by madame d'espagne the name of the village where he was obliged to wait both for the recovery of his wounds and for remittances for his expenses she wrote to him in the following terms to monsieur du plessis i should ill return the proofs i have received of your generous disinterested friendship to delay one moment that i had it in my power in endeavouring to convince you that it was a quite contrary motive than ingratitude to you that carried me from bologna but the story is too long for the compass of a letter when you know it you will perhaps own this action whatever you may now think of it merits more than anything i could have done your approbation this seeming riddle will be easily expounded if on the recovery of your wounds you repair immediately to paris where you will find your much obliged 
Louisa. Having finished this little billet, a scruple rose in her head that being now under the care of a father, she ought not to do anything of this nature without his permission. She had already told him how greatly she had been indebted to Duplessis for his honourable passion, but had not mentioned the least tittle of the tender impressions it had made on her, and she so lately knew him to be her father that she was ashamed to make him the confidant of an affair of this nature. But then, when she considered the quality of Duplessis, which she was now confirmed of, and the sense Dorilaus testified he had of his behaviour to her, while he believed her so infinitely his inferior, made her resolve to drain her modesty so far as to inform him of all. She began by relating her accidental meeting with Madame the Countess d'Espagne, and the conversation that passed at Mademoiselle du Palfoy's, and then, though not without immoderate blushes, showed him what she had wrote, and beseeched him to let her know whether it would be consistent with a virgin's modesty, and also agreeable to his pleasure, that she give this demonstration of her gratitude for the favours she had received from this young gentleman. Dorilaus was charmed with this proof of her duty and respect, and told her that he was so far from disapproving what she had wrote, that had she omitted it, or said less than she did, he should have looked upon her as unworthy of so perfect a passion as that which Monsieur de Plessis on all occasions testified for her, that, in his opinion, she owed him more than she could ever pay, and that it should be his endeavour to show he had not placed his affections on the daughter of one who knew not how to set a just value on merits such as his. He made her also add a postscript to the letter to give a direction in what part of Paris he might find her on his arrival. But Louisa would by no means give the least hint of the alteration in her circumstances, not that she wanted any farther proofs of his sincerity, but that she reserved the pleasure of so agreeable a surprise to their meeting. This letter was dispatched immediately, to the end that he might receive it at least as soon as that from his sister with the expected remittances. End of chapter 24